Welcome to Betweeners, episode two. Is buying better than renting? Is the American dream still alive? Is Bernie Madoff a murderer? We're going to talk about all of this today. We are back and better than ever. It's Ben and Heath, and today we're going to be in between buying and renting. So you know us, we're the betweeners. We are in between Gen Y, Gen Z, the millennials that don't fit in. And one of the things we wanted to talk about was some of our personal experience um, buying a home and being homeowners in our mid to early 20s. Um, and how sometimes at our age, you're between that awkward stage of, do I keep renting? Do I keep buying? Or do I start buying? And what is the best step for my life? So what do you think about it, Heath? I'm really excited about this episode. Um, We're coming in on one year that we've been in the new house. Um, We bought our house pretty early in our life, um, earlier than the average. And, you know, I think we both share that in common. So I think we we both have a lot to talk about right now. Yeah, so Heath was just saying that he has been in his house about a year. Um, my fiance and I just closed in our house. It's about two weeks ago. Actually, I think it's like two weeks ago today. So we uh, we just got it moved in about a week ago. We're still going through um, unpacking the boxes. And it has definitely been um, an adventure, to say the least. So our first real big... Uh, adventure together um as a couple and hopefully one of many more coming up in the future i mean before this the only purchase we'd ever made together was a nintendo switch so we went from a nintendo, <laughs> yeah then we went from a nintendo switch to a house and that was uh that was our uh line of things that we did so we really went all in on that just a small difference not yeah. not anything uh, crazy so when we bought the switch literally what we did was um we heard coronavirus was a thing and I heard some rumors that, you know, we might be going to lockdown. And I was like, Hey, let's go buy this Nintendo switch together, make our first purchase together. Uh, you pay 50%, I pay 50% and we'll go in on it. Um, and at that time we, we hadn't been together, you know, maybe about six months or eight and we did. So, uh, so that was our the next trip. logical step was to, to get the, the house, you know, we went in yeah, 50, we 50 on the Nintendo, Let's just get the house. Who cares? Let's just do it. Well, we were we were like, you know, Mario Kart was good to us. Uh, so house buying has to be good to us too. You know, Rainbow Road uh, was a lot of fun. I bet owning our own home is going to be even more fun. I will preface and say that this is going to be one of those episodes. It's really a uh, do as I say, not as I do. Me and Ben, we bought our homes in the midst of a pandemic during the craziest housing market that we've seen in our lives. Um, houses are going for 10 to 15% over asking without uh, appraisal as is. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend doing anything too drastic. Patience is going to be a big theme in this episode, and we will definitely uh, see how that plays out. And I think the title between renting and buying is so perfect because each person's scenario is unique and we can talk about our experiences and we can get into depth about some of the things that we see going on both in the housing market, but as we said, we're going to call it socio-generational 
um, is what we're going to start calling it, um, the changeover in between the two ages. But what's best for you in the long run, and as you think it over, is going to be the right decision. We can't tell you the right decision. Nobody else can tell you that decision. The only person who's going to be able to do that is, is going to be you. So talk with us, discuss it. But in the long run, you're the one who has to decide what's going to make you happy and whatever it does is going to be the right choice. So, And if hearing our stories helps you in your decision, that is awesome. So if you have any questions related to home buying or our stories and you want to talk to me and Ben, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, our email is tellsfrombetween at gmail.com. We are more than happy, and we really want to connect with our uh, listeners. So if you have any questions, please please ask us. Yeah, and then you can also check us out and like us on Facebook um, at Betweeners Podcast. And then hopefully we'll be getting um, some more social set up, maybe a, a Twitter and an Instagram are in the works. Um, and we're going to have all our socials on there soon. Maybe we'll even get to the point where we're on a Discord or something uh, in here in the near future. For sure. We got a lot to look forward to. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dig in. Heath, go ahead and get us started with uh, with your home buying story. What uh, what was it like, and, and what was it all about? So, again, I'm going to preface and say that our home buying experience was probably not your typical, as in it was extremely easy. Um, there were no bumps in the road. We searched for seven days. On the seventh day, we found a house. Uh, we had a realtor who took care of every little detail that we didn't have to worry about. We closed. After 30 days, we moved in, and that was really about it. Uh, you know, we, we did the inspection. Uh, the appraisal came back. Actually, I will say that, so we offered, we were in the pandemic, and houses were going like crazy. So we offered 1K over asking. And just to keep it, you know, to show that we were really interested and we wanted the house. Um, luckily, uh, the appraisal came back 3K under our uh, offer. So that worked out pretty good for us. Um, and we, we still got the house. Other than that, I mean, the appraisal coming in under is about the only thing uh, that was really, I mean, I wouldn't even consider it a bump in a road. It was actually a good thing for us. Uh, you know, there was a kind of a worry about, you know, you, in that market, you would expect for the buyer to be like, hey, you got to put up the cash or I'm going to sell it to somebody else because they had multiple offers on the home. But luckily, they were like, hey, we'll just lower the price, which is typically what happens. They lower the price. But like I said, we were in the middle of a pandemic and houses were flying off the shelves. Mm -hmm. So why does homeownership or why did homeownership work for you? So homeownership for me was, so I'm a, I'm a nurse, but I'm a part-time finance nerd. Um, so, you know, it was like, everybody says, you got to get a house, you got to build equity. You got to get a house, got to build equity. And I was tired of throwing money in for renting. Um, so luckily it worked out for us. Um, you know, there's, uh, the, the question of, you know, should I start building the equity or is the flexibility more important? Flexibility is so incredible to have on your side because if you need to pick up and move for a job or anything, you don't have to worry about selling a house. And I mean, in retrospect, if you look at it, we moved away, we moved seven hours away. Um, we're not near home. We probably should not have bought a house, but 
we're still here and we're going to hunker down for the next little bit. So for us, I think it's, it's worked out and the house is already appreciated just because of the crazy market we're in. Um, but it's abnormal in that sense. Uh, I would not expect to buy a house and, and make money off of it in the first year. If you, if you are buying a house, plan to be there for five years. And I mean, you guys, which we've both rented before and you guys are renting before you bought your house, which I mean, and I want to go ahead and say too, I like renting. I, you know, I bought a home. There are absolutely clear advantages to renting. And I, I thought the same thing too. Oh, with renting, you're throwing your money away, which in a way that's true because really what a house is, is a, is a forced savings account. Um, yeah, is truly, is truly what it is. Um, and that has advantages, but even more than the flexibility of, Hey, I might need to move in a year. If something breaks in your rental house, especially when you're 25, you know, if, if I had a $3,000 repair right now in my house, it would be really tight. Um, and so there are absolutely advantages to in the early stage of, um, you know, your life, the twenties, getting that career under your belt, starting to actually save up yeah. some money where renting has its advantages. And that was definitely something that I thought about when we looked at purchasing a house. Cause there for a while, we both said, well, let's just rent. You know, we don't know the future. Let's rent right now. Um, but things kind of, when we looked at all of our options, we kind of decided, well, we could rent, but I definitely think ownership is a better path for us. Definitely. The, the flexibility with renting and just the convenience of renting is so nice. Uh, for example, the second year, the second winter we were in our rental when we first moved to Fort Wayne, our heat went out. And, you know, we called the the lease, leaser, contractor, whoever, the owner, I guess the landlord. Um, and they were out the next day and had it fixed. That cost me nothing. Um and then we moved into our house, which is, it's a newer house. So, you know, you don't expect things to go wrong, you know, in a house that's only uh, a decade old. Uh, but the heat went out our just this winter and it took three or four visits from the HVAC for them to properly diagnose it and get it fixed. It was just a whole uh, thing. And that, that costs money. So I will say if you're gonna, you know, buy a house, hopefully have an emergency fund ready just in case anything does go on and luckily we did so that that kind of worked out for us but that's the that's the point is that uh, there's not the convenience of renting that someone else is gonna uh, take care of it for you yeah i mean your story is exactly it so luckily we haven't run into any problems two weeks in um quite yet but you know, you never know. Something could, could tear up tomorrow. So, um, yeah, just a little bit about us. And our, so Heath was mentioned he is living in Fort Wayne right now. We both we went to we've been friends for a long time, went to high school together. And so we're from the same hometown. So after I graduated high school, I moved away, actually, to go to college. And then I have moved back to our hometown. Um, I was away for about five years. My first year as a teacher, I taught at a different school district. But now I'm back in our home district. And as I was moving home, Heath was moving away to uh, Fort Wayne, uh, Indiana. And so where we are from is what I would consider a very rural area. Um, 
and where extreme yeah i mean it's it's a i mean very rural area in appalachia and where we both moved to i would consider definitely more urban areas uh fort wayne especially and so um tell us heath what do you think because i i know there's definitely a difference in living in now i didn't own a home in where i went to school i rented but the difference in living and renting in an urban area versus renting in in a more rural one so i can't i can't comment on um you know obviously the rural area because i lived with my parents uh so you're definitely going to be the the voice on that now in um fort wayne you know I think it's I, I think I'm better off because uh, as we've seen back home, uh, the market has exploded because of a local university that came in and uh, the real estate prices are outrageous. They're actually probably almost double of what they are here in Fort Wayne. Uh, I was able to rent a two bedroom, one bath uh, downtown right in front of a beautiful park, walking distance from uh, multiple parks. Um, and it was it was only you know six hundred bucks that same thing, uh, in the in the area that Ben is living is probably a thousand dollars. So as far as that goes, I, I think I was I was a little better off. And I brought that up because I have seen Heath's house that he owns, and I've seen where he rented at. And I mean, I love his house he's at right now. It is awesome. It is a great place. But I loved his rental for a ton of reasons. Number one, because like. When you think of an urban apartment, little house on the street, that's exactly what you think about. And um, I liked that. So not that you should ever take into consideration only location, but what's the first real real estate location. And I loved Absolutely. the location uh, that Heath was living at on his rental house. Um, not that I don't love his location. Uh, they're just different. I mean, he went from living in town as a young, you know, young couple, that life to really the suburbs. I mean, you live in the suburbs now and they're just very different in the style of, of living you have. So, you know, when you consider renting versus buying, that is definitely something to consider now, obviously in Bell County and where we are from, there are not suburbs. There is not a downtown area. You live in a rural place. So it's a little different. Uh, so when you make that consideration, whether you're going to rent or whether you're going to buy location is going to have a factor in what style of life you want to live. If you want to be settled down in the burbs or if you want to be down in the action. So, which I mean, that is literally up to your preference. There's, I don't think there's one better than the other. I will throw in that something, a, 20 year old or a young 30 year old is not thinking about when they're trying to buy their first house is that pick a school district uh, that is really good. That's going to help your resale value. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be good if you ever decide to have kids, even if you don't have any kids uh, coming on the way or present, uh, pick a good area with the school district. Usually they are going to be a little bit more expensive, but you'll sell it much easier yeah. and that'll help. And I mean, the goal long-term, as you should say, like, I mean, not that you're ever going to move away, but you have to protect yourself and you have to consider what is your resale going to look like. And if you're in a crappy neighborhood, even if you have a beautiful home or you have a crappy school district, then you're not necessarily going to be able to resell your home. Luckily where my fiance and I are living, we're probably one of the better neighborhoods in the town. And then we obviously, because I work there, we have the best school district in the state, duh. 
Um, you don't have to worry about that any, because uh, you know they hired me. So that's a hot take, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. I mean, anywhere I work is going to be the number one district, of course. Scalding hot take. <laughs> that's what I'm here for, man. The hot, super hot fire. I spit that. <laughs> awesome. Um. So that's kind of what our story with home buying was like, and uh, some of the things that we considered when we bought a home. Um, one of the things in the, what we have in common is we both use um, an FHA loan. Um, and, I, you know, I don't necessarily think we need to get a lot into the education of FHA versus USDA versus conventional. If you want to look that up yourself, that's fine. Long story short, USDA. Or if you want to ask us through email, we are happy to yeah, answer. Yeah, for sure. USDA is a rural loan, so you can only get one if you live in a rural area. Um, I was eligible. Heath was not, but it's also a low income loan. So there are income limits. FHA is um, also a government loan. It is a little bit forgiving on your debt to income ratio, uh, more than a USDA loan. It does not have an income limit, but you're required a 3.5% down payment versus USDA to 0% down payment. And then conventional loans vary in your down payment amount. Um, they're typically where you're going to see a, a financial product or banquet offer. Um, mostly 10 to 20%, 20% down is your most common uh, down payment. So if you buy a $100,000 house, you have to have $20,000. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, as a first-time home buyer, we would have to save for 15 years or more uh, yeah. with the rental prices in where we live. I mean, there's no way we could have ever afforded a house without one of these government programs that really help first time home buyers, but also just people who are trying to get under their feet first. Um, and ideally we won't have this problem again because we're going to build an equity and then, you know, we, we right. sell our house. So a lot of, a lot of uh, financial advisors say that they give you leniency on that first time home purchase of just doing, you know, a 3.5 to 5% down. But after that, you probably should have, uh, you know, a conventional loan at yeah. two to 20%. I mean, like I said, we would not have been able to um, either one have got our houses without the FHA program. And it, ideally it's going to help us out in the long run. Once we start building some equity, We'll be able to, you know, maybe refinance, sell our house, purchase a bigger home. Um, and so that was just kind of talking about our experiences with the FHA. Um, the biggest thing is it offers a chance for you. If you think home buying is right for you, it gives you opportunity to actually get that home um, and, and not have to wait until you save up. Because like I said, if you're if you're going to rent in, in, in where we're from, you're not going to be able to save it because rent on this house was the house that we owned was rented and before we moved in and they were paying several hundred dollars more than our home payment is to the bank a month. So it's actually saving money for us to own the home versus rent. We, we rented before we did not rent here. Well, I rented before she didn't, hadn't lived with me before, but um, it actually saved us money to, to purchase a home versus rent a home. Yeah. Ben, what do you wish you knew prior to buying a home that you know now? Um, I don't know if there's anything specific. If I'm going to give you advice on the home buying process, due diligence, okay? That's what I'm going to tell you. Do your due diligence. It's a little alliteration for you, okay? Do due diligence. Check everything. Research everything. I am sure I pissed off. Everybody in this home buying process a thousand times. He definitely did. But you know what? 
I did, but I don't <laughs> care because I was protecting myself. I'm not like a that kind of guy either. Like I am not a get you, piss you off type of guy. I'm very, very laid back. He's a Karen. Um, type of type of person. Yeah, no, I'm not a Karen. Um, <laughs> speaking of that, don't kill me. If you're a TikToker, <laughs> do not murder me for life. <laughs> um, but I researched everything so meticulously. I was calling lawyers. I was calling civil engineers, talking about easements on my property, talking about um, you know sewer problems. I was literally reading FHA handbooks for the appraisers, checking everything, calling the bank three times a day. My realtor, they, they literally probably hated me because they wanted me to sit up and sit down and shut up and be a first time home buyer and just take whatever you get. I was not going to do that. The home I bought needed some work and needed some things done. And I did not want to get messed over the loan process that my fiance and I went through was extremely complicated. So Heath is over here bragging about how easy his process was 30 days in and out. We signed two extensions on our, on our, um, maybe it's because I just sat down and shut up. Maybe that's what I should have done. Just sat down and shut up. To be fair to Ben, I was buying a relatively new house. The, The home I bought was, it was 10 years old. Um, you know, if you're buying an older house, obviously you can't just really sit down and shut up. You have to advocate for yourself. Oh yeah. No, I, I listen. I did not take it first. Like, I there was probably several times. Maybe, maybe I said, like, my fiance was like, "Dude, just sit down and shut up." Like, I'm just tired of dealing with it. Just, just shut up. You know, whatever. But I didn't, and I think in the long run it worked out for us more, just because we were able to protect ourselves. Not that our only goal was to protect ourselves, but um, it, it allowed us to get what we wanted and what we were looking for. And then also make sure that the lender and the home seller and the realtor and the appraiser didn't think they could get one buy on us because trust me, I'm going to check and I'm going to read it and I'm going to research on the, on the news. I'm going to call the connections I have, which I don't have many, but I'm going to call anybody I can call and I'm going to make sure. I'll, I'll say that, you know, going back to the, the urban area, I mean, to, to people in Chicago, Fort Wayne's like, oh, that's not even a city. It's only, you know, 200 some thousand. To, to me, it's a big city. So being in an urban area, yeah. you don't have the good old boy system as much as you do in an area like Ben's in. So he, he really did have to kind of cover his ass uh, and, and really do that. I mean, the good old boys might be a, a literal whole po- you know podcast conversation. But yeah, yeah you, let's, let's put, you that watch the, put that on the docket there. The good old boy system uh-huh. yeah um but it worked out and i think it, it worked out in our favor because we weren't you know we, we were protected and that's what i wanted um because i didn't want to just be some dumb kid buying his first home i wanted to be educated i wanted to be researched i wanted to be knowledgeable when i talked about things um i did not want to go in just saying okay you know sounds good I wanted that because I feel safest and most comfortable and it alleviated so much anxiety for me by knowing that and researching that. And I think, you know, my lease is up in 2051. Okay. I am committed for a long time. The anxiety associated with that and thinking, God, that's long that I've been alive is huge. Having that research really helped alleviate that whole lot. Definitely. You know, our podcast is not only about us personally. We're the betweeners for a reason, because we are between 
um, millennials and um, Gen Z. Okay. And so we're not only going to talk about us. And we know everybody wants to hear about just us, but we're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, it's true, but um, I mean, we're so smart that the things that we have to offer are going to probably change definitely at least sociology and probably the world. Um, So (laughs) just two, two guys. I don't even know what to say. We're just, (laughs) I don't know the way. (laughs) But um, so, you you know, we, we talked about at the beginning of the episode, all the research we did for this. And I wanted to think about, you know, being 25 and purchasing a home was a huge deal. Should I have waited? Would it have been more beneficial to me to be 30, 35? I decided the biggest factor for me in my decision to purchase a home was not the equity, which is nice, not throwing the money away. The fact that I was ready and my fiance, who's going to be my wife very soon, was ready to start our own life together. And I think that is something that we, out of all the data we researched, the one thing we found the most was when people buy homes, it's when they're ready to start making roots, putting down their community, because a home is that. It's your community. Um, And that's the one thing that I found more than anything, Gen Z, millennial, boomer, people want and crave that sense of community. And that's what a home is going to give you. Now, that is a small piece, I know. But that was our number one factor, in addition to, of course, the equity and, yeah, uh, you know, that rent is insane in this county. That was, that was very beautiful. Can we uh, go into some numbers? Sure, yeah. Um, so some numbers. So I was looking at the National Association of Realtors. I told you I researched everything. Um, and so I was looking at them and they actually have a lot of different breakdowns. You can check it out. Uh, they, they have a report. And so they actually broke down the housing market in 2021. And I found it really interesting that they think just like Heath and I do, they break the categories down into Gen Z, old millennial and young millennial. And so they, well, how about that? Yeah. So apparently we're getting it from somewhere. They're getting it from us. And so they consider Gen Z from 1999 to the present. They consider young millennials 99 to 98, and then old millennials 80 to 89. And they obviously have boomers, greatest generation, you know, old people, all that stuff. Um, and so they broke down the, the basically the market. And Gen Z accounts for about 2% of both the buying and the selling market. Which makes sense because most Gen Zers are 20 years old. So let's just go ahead and throw that out there. I mean, the young 20 and 18 and 17. Very oldest, you you could be 22 as a gen. I mean, but I was not ready to buy a home at 22. I I just wasn't. I was not there yet. Um, So there is a reason why they account for such a smaller amount um, overall. So they're about 2% of the market. And we know that, and we, we, you know, with all of this, we know that the average home buyer buys their first home at 33. So, you know, that you got to really have that number to really interpret the rest of the data. Yeah. And so um, one thing that I found super interesting, though, is Gen Z is a super small pr- proportion. The young millennial 
is about 14% of the buying market, but only about 4% of the selling market. So that's really where you're seeing your first time home buyers. That's like me and Heath. We are, you know, in this category, trying to find our first home. And then finally, you have the older millennials. They're about 18% of the selling market, about 23% of the buying market. Um, so millennials obviously as a whole make up the largest percentage of buyers. Um, and I, it's really too early to tell whether or not Gen Z is going to make up an equal proportion to millennials as millennials continue to age, or if they'll be more interested in renting. Uh, you know, it's just, it's too soon to tell. Yeah, the, the housing market's definitely going to play a role in that. You know, it's not just uh, a matter of preference. It's just, it's whatever the market decides to do. I mean, right now, I mean, the market is experiencing, I wouldn't say a once in a, in a lifetime, but a once in a very long time blip where, I mean, your housing prices are just going up and up and up and up. Um, and so now is not a bad time. I mean, I'm seeing houses sell for like $135 a square foot, which to me is, is crazy. Uh, yeah. especially, like I said, in a extremely rural area, you know, we paid about $104 a square foot for ours. So I, you know, I don't know, but, um, the market, you're right. Heath is going to decide whatever else we do and whatever else anybody does. Um, and so that, that was an interesting part of the numbers right there um, and how millennials make up a huge portion of both the, I mean, the selling market, but mostly the buyer's market. Um, and actually, this pretty much shows that homeownership is, is more important, at least at this point, to anybody but older millennials. And I was wondering, Heath, do you think there's a specific reason for why that is? I think it's because older millennials, they went through the 2008 crash. And they're probably a little scared. Um, you know, there, there's a, a revitalization uh, going on right now that's kind of wiping wiping away all of those losses. I mean, they, they were wiped away relatively quickly after the crash. But, like, that's it's almost not even heard of. And younger millennials, they, they really don't even know. I mean, we were in, what, middle school? Yeah, like, I, I mean, obviously, we are old enough to have memories of the recession, the Great Recession. And the housing crash, I knew things were bad because I heard it on the news. My parents watched the news a lot. Until I watched The Big Short, I don't think I really understood what was going on. Yeah. And maybe that sounds bad, but like until I researched on my own, I just heard like, oh, the economy's bad. But as far as I knew, you know, why? Thanks, Obama. Like, you know, I didn't know what was going <laughs> Thanks, on. Thanks, Obama. Uh, yeah, so like, that's all All I knew was, okay, things aren't good. Why? I don't care. You know, I'm still going to live my regular life, uh, which unfortunately my parents were literally trying to move and sell their house in 2007. So kind of right before the recession got really bad. But <laughs> so that was not good for them. But I mean, as far as I know, it didn't, it didn't, you know, impact me at all. But I definitely think you're right in the sense that like they – live through that and it was kind of like i mean if you're 35 which is 10 years older than us you're like dang this sucks the market is terrible or you know i'm, I'm a big fan i'm gonna even shout them out of uh of barstool sports i've heard a thousand times how big that was are like we plugging yeah. barstool right now I, I, dude i plug them you know they're they plug up big cat if you hear this plug betweeners on uh on, on your show uh because i'm plugging you but uh i'm sure he'll hear this 
he was like, I got into real estate in 2008 at the literal worst time to do it. And I am in this job right now because of how bad I was at the other job that I did. So, you know, they definitely have memories of how terrible it was to be into real estate at that time. I mean, no doubt. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it ruined. It's going to impact your ability to buy or your desire to buy. Yeah, absolutely. It ruined a lot of lives. A lot of people probably have PTSD related to it, just like, uh, you know, in the dot-com crash when stocks started crashing. And, you know, you hear older individuals say, oh, I'll never buy stock. You can't trust it. It'll just crash. Even though we know in the long term, the, yeah. the markets, housing and, and stock market always go up. Yeah, I mean, the market will hopefully inevitably go up but at that time if you were an older person you didn't have time to wait for your savings to catch back up and i mean it's tragic because you see people like bernie madoff who were extremely Rip. extremely corrupt and no not hardly uh you know no he, um, didn't he just die like a few weeks ago yeah no i'm saying like but he's a you know not i shouldn't say that absolutely scum just, no he's an absolute scumbag yeah, sorry, Bernie, don't haunt me. Like, you know, if you have the option, haunt somebody else. But, I mean, he was like, what was wrong with Wall Street? Like, I think the economic system that we have, at least on Wall Street, is so much healthier because people like Bernie Madoff could totally screw you over. And they could, he made people commit suicide. I mean, to me, he's a murderer yeah. because he took advantage of people like that. And that as an older person had to be so scary and it had to, and that's why I think, you know, Heath, you're talking about, we didn't really even get to the, the boomers and stuff. They're not really selling their houses all that much. I mean, they're, they're, they account for an average amount of the market, but they're not, uh, I think I guess they call it Gen X is the, is the biggest category of people selling houses. And they're, they're probably doing that because they're in between first time home status and, and what I would call a family home, uh, because I think maybe boomers are reluctant just based on fear, which, I mean, all this is just conjecture. I mean, you know, I don't yeah, know. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, I mean, this is what the show's about. It's about conjecture and speculation and we're just talking. We're just two, yeah. two talkers between talking between. So another interesting fact I found was about uh, 82% of all buyers finance. So that's kind of duh. Obviously, very few people can buy yeah. homes in cash, but apparently there's people out there. I mean, it's still pretty impressive that 18% of all people can pay $100,000 on a home. You know, must be nice. But about Sorry. 31... I'm, I'm speculating, but I would imagine that the vast majority of that 20% buying with cash are likely investors. Oh, definitely. They're they're doing it for investment properties. Um, and, and they're trying to make... I mean... That's what people here are. The rich people in town own all of the rental property and they rent it to out-of-towners and it makes it really hard, which is also a topic for a totally different show, how hard it is to live in a um, a, a town with a college, um, especially a rural town with a college. But I digress. What I was going to say is um, – about 31% of the financiers are millennials, and almost all of those are first-time home buyers. Um, I also found that you really only buy a home, especially a first-time home, if you're married. 
home ownership for single people, which yeah. number one, because of financial issues, but also the stage of your life you're in, doesn't happen. Um, it just isn't really in the best interest of everybody there. So married people buy homes at, I'm talking dramatically higher rates than people who are single, but at a single people, females buy homes at dramatically, I'm talking like 10 times, a single female is 10 times more likely to be a homeowner than a single male. It was 10 times. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's pretty large. Yeah. Why are women single women more likely to buy a home than a bachelor? Because they are strong, independent women and they don't need no man. I mean, that's true. And I think that my old lady would say that too. Um, but I don't know if it's because they're better with money or they're less lazy. I haven't figured it out yet. I think maybe it's both. I mean, because I was thinking, you know, bachelor pad life. Hey, if I'm in the bachelor life, man, I'm not mowing my own grass. Like, I will have somebody do that. I do not care. So uh, I was, that's the only thing I could come up with. Yeah. I, I can't even, I can't even like speculate why that would be that. Statistic. No, I, I, I would say I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy about that statistic because if somebody came up to me on the street and asked who is more likely to buy a house, I would, I would probably say a male. So shout out to uh, feminism. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything even interesting about that statistic in general. I found it interesting just because I was like, you know, dang, I wonder if women are just that much better with money. Because typically you think of women buying more than men, but maybe they're better with their money, man. They can save up. and uh, or, or maybe home ownership is more of a dream for them uh, versus a man. I don't know if there's really a good answer to that. But it was kind of the final statistic that really stuck out to me uh, on that National Realtors report. Maybe women are just better at practicing delayed gratification, unlike some younger 20-year-old men. I mean, we definitely, I mean, at 25, I still feel like I have maturing to do, um, no doubt. And I definitely know that, you know, I see all that stuff. Oh, the man's brain develops later. Yeah, it definitely does. Um so I definitely could develop more. And I know that I probably would not be buying a house if it wasn't for the fact that I was getting married because well, my big reason is I'm lazy more than anything else. But, um, you know, I, I wanted this place for, for us together. So. Right on. So <clears throat> I guess, and, and these are the bit, we went to the numbers, we researched everything. Now into the crux of it, I want to ask you this. As a betweener, do you think as someone who has not always had the nostalgia while also not always having the technology, do you feel like the American dream has changed, whether it's the recession, whether it's the, the now culture, whether it's, the, you know, the insurrection? I don't know if there was a specific moment, but do you personally feel like the American dream has changed? And do you think that millennials are grasping at something that doesn't exist with home ownership in the American dream? Or do you, and Gen Z recognizes that and they'll never get into the market? Or do you think this is a natural cycle where people age into it? They buy homes, they graduate from their first home to a larger home, they downsize, they sell so, it, they die. <clears throat> that's a hell of a, hell of a question to um, bring up. At well, this I'm point. with the hard hitters, man. So there's a lot to unpack there. 
Um, I'm going to start with number one because that's mainly what I heard. And if you want to ask the other questions here in a sec, you can. So I do not think the American dream has changed. I think the American dream is uh, bootstrapping your way to a better life. I think that is the shortest way to express the American dream. You were just bootstrapping your way out of a tough situation into a better situation. Now, what has changed mm-hmm. is the means to achieve that American dream. You know, used to, uh, you know, people would come over on boats, they would work menial jobs, do hard labor, and hopefully one day they would retire, have money, um, or they would, you know, put it in a business and hopefully make money off of that, which turned into the stock market. Today, the American dream has a multifaceted way to be achieved because you can simply go viral on YouTube or you can make an incredible podcast like me and Ben are doing and you can go viral with it and you can make millions of dollars off of it like me and Ben will. But um, the, the way to achieve the American dream uh, has changed, um, but the American dream is still present. So, and I'll get into the other questions in a second. I am a little bit more pessimistic than you. I don't think the American dream is dead. I don't. I think the American dream has changed as you have, but in a different way. I am not necessarily a, a bootstrapper guy. I mean, I've heard that and I, I'm, I'm not always saying that that isn't the case. You definitely can achieve the American dream pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, but also I live in a world where I feel like many students are afforded lots of opportunities to succeed if they still choose not to. There is no bootstrap pulling. And that makes it hard because I don't believe there is anything innately wrong with students who don't make it. But at the same time, it is frustrating as an educator to literally provide opportunity after, and I'll never stop doing it, but provide every single chance, do everything you possibly can to give a kid a chance to give a kid those bootstraps and they don't take it. And that's why I'm so torn on the issue because I don't know if there really is an answer one way or the other. I think you have a good take on that. And there's a lot there. Um, there's, there's a lot there and we could probably do an entire show on, on the American dream. You know, my thoughts are that the American dream is still present um, you know, the means to achieve it have changed, but I think everybody's got a fair shot. Um, I, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I don't really want to go into what you, you kind of brought up because honestly, I, I don't know if I can, uh, deliver a educated opinion. I mean, it's like a, it's an hour conversation yeah. to have. I just, when, and I don't, it's not like I think with the American dream a lot. But I guess when I think of home buying more than anything, you know, I've had to work two jobs since about I've been out of school. I've been very blessed. I don't have any student loan debt. You know, I started life on third base. I really did. Um, And it was just up to me to basically fumble the ball. Um, 
and I am extremely lucky to not have two sports metaphors in one <laughs> to have not had a situation to where, you know, I've never had to pull myself up by my bootstraps, but I've always had boots. Yeah. You know, I've never went without. And so, although I've worked really hard to get this home, the home is still my idea of the American dream. Like when I bought this house more than anything, it wasn't the finances. It wasn't the equity. As I said earlier, it was the dream. It was the community. It was the home. I was ready to achieve in my mind, the pinnacle of everything I've been working for. And so that's why when I associate home buying more than anything, I think of the American dream. Definitely. I, I concur with that. I totally agree. And I, I totally love that you shared your, your motivation for buying a home. Um, I, I relate to that. You know, I was totally uh, gung-ho about buying a house because that, that is the American dream to a lot. They've made it when they've bought their home. Uh, the fact is, I don't own my home. I just pay the bank and they let me live here. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe when it's paid <laughs> off, I'll be a little more happy about that. But I, I totally, um, I have to give Ben credit. He he says he started life on third base, um, which is totally subjective, and that's those are his words. But Ben is a hard worker. He has always worked uh, multiple jobs, two to three at a time, um, ever since I've known him, since he's been of working age. So um, he he is a bootstrapper. Yeah, I mean, it, it paid off. I mean, I, I own a home that I am, very proud of in a subdivision that I have great neighbors. Uh, you know, I'm, I, it was worth the work. Um, and I don't want to sell myself. You're right. I don't want to sell myself short. Like I had to work to get here, but at the same time, you know, I, I never had a, a, a night where I came home. My mom and dad weren't there. You know, I, I had parents who graduated from college. Both my parents did who had degrees and, and worked my entire life. So I guess that's what I was meaning is like, I never had to do the homework on my own. So I um, will say that bootstrapping is not uh, mutually exclusive to very poor people. Middle-class people can bootstrap their way into a higher class. So I think Ben has forgotten that, that he can bootstrap his way into uh, a higher class. True. And once my podcast goes viral i'm a millionaire i'll bring everybody else up yes squat on top we all gonna eat (laughs) that's all for today guys make sure you come back next week we're going to talk about some more fun stuff as me and ben dive in between everything between y and z so if you will leave us a like subscribe and follow also leave us a review on apple podcasts If you have any questions about today's show, send us an email at tellsfrombetween at gmail.com. We really look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you. And if you want to send us any show topic suggestions that you would like for us to go over, just send those to us. That's today's show. Bye. Hey, Ben, what do you think about Colonel Sanders? To me, he's a murderer.